Hey, Compassion Christian Church, so good to be here with you. I'm David Allgaier, one of the pastors here at Compassion, and I am here at our downtown campus, our actual downtown campus building. And I want to say thank you to everybody who contributed to making this thing happen because this is a resource that's going to bless this community for generations. I'm going to tell you, like, it's a big deal because we launched the downtown campus, we used to call it Lay Church, in 2004. And we launched it in the Savannah Theater, then we moved it to the Lucas, and we moved it back to the Savannah Theater, and we were kind of living out of a suitcase for 16 years. I preached uh, down at the downtown campus for 12 of those years, and now here we are in a facility, and it's a big deal because this just gives us the ability to bless this community in, in ways that we haven't really been able to do or been limited in doing, and I, I just need to say thank you. Thank you to everybody who gave, because you contributed to something that's going to bless people, bless spiritual needs, bless physical needs, bless people in so many ways. And we do this together, and we can all do more together than we can ever do alone. Man, I am just overflowing with gratitude. Thank you, thank you for giving to this, because this is a big deal. This is going to make a huge difference for a long time. Now... Um, we are in this Joseph series, and if you've been following along, um, there's kind of some good news because Joseph catches a break this week. It's been bad news up to this point. Joseph has been sold into slavery. Joseph has uh, been falsely accused and thrown into prison. So to kind of get a head start, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to get into that text. But before we do, what I want to do is I want to help us grapple with the main principle of this text. Because it's heavy, it's a really big deal, maybe outside of the gospel itself, the most important principle to understand in Scripture. And so to do that, to, to kind of wrestle with it and really get it in our hearts, I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. Have you ever seen someone be untrustworthy with what they were entrusted with? Now, I want to tell you a quick story about a guy who you probably aren't going to recognize, but he's, he was in the news two weeks ago. But here's the thing about this guy. It's not going to sound like his story has anything to do with your story or my story, but it does. They overlap, okay? So here's a picture of this guy. This is uh, Rajib Nazak. He's the former prime minister of Malaysia. And he was entrusted with $4.5 billion of his country's money. Okay? He was entrusted with it. And what did he do with it? He was untrustworthy with it. He bought all kinds of things. This is a super cool yacht that he bought. Uh, pretty nice, right? And then these are super cool, you know, luxury items that they're showing, like watches and gold and all kinds of stuff. I mean, the guy spent hundreds of millions of dollars of what he was entrusted with in the wrong way. He was entrusted with $4.5 billion in order to make his country better, in order to help his people, in order to help his whole country thrive. And yet he was not trustworthy because he used all that stuff on himself. Now, that doesn't sound like something you and I can relate to, right? 4.5 billion dollars like I can't relate to that 
kind of wish I could, but I can't. But the reality is, what's going on in his story is what's going on in our lives for a couple big reasons. Number one, each of us has been entrusted. No, not with $4.5 billion of our country's money, but we've been entrusted by God with our abilities, with our skills, with our minds, with our resources, with stuff, with actual physical stuff, like material things, with money, with finances. We've been entrusted by God with all of those things. And the second thing is, the second way we can relate to uh, Mr. Razak's story is that each of us will be held accountable one day for our trustworthiness. In other words, we're going to be held accountable one day for what we do with all that stuff, with our resources, with what we've been entrusted with. So we're going to jump into this principle in Genesis 41, but I need to tell you this key truth in a succinct way and, and, and show you a couple other scriptures because it's all over the Bible. It's actually a key theme in the entire scriptures. It's something God just wants us to understand. And the principle boils down to this, okay? Here it is. You are saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus, okay? You're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus, but <laughs> you will still be entrusted in eternity based on your trustworthiness in this life. Now that's a heavy, huge principle and truth. And it's all over the scripture. And, and, and it's so big that, I mean, I think even, maybe it's the first time you've heard this and, and first time you've heard about the gospel, or maybe this first time you've heard this principle, you've been a believer for a while, and it trips people up a little bit for a lot of different reasons. So I just need to like break this down a little bit and explain it briefly. So first of all, you're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus. So you are saved not by what you do. And this is the heart of the message of the Bible. This is the main teaching in the entire Bible. That you are saved not by what you do, but you're saved by what Jesus did for you on the cross and whether or not you put your faith in him. So if you put your faith in Jesus and you accept what he did for you on the cross, you are saved forever. Look at the way the scripture explains this, okay? God saved you by his grace. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by his grace. What's his grace? His grace is that he sent Jesus to die for you on the cross because he loved you so much. When you believed. So you're saved by what Jesus did, and you're saved when you put your faith, when you believe, when you put your faith in what Jesus did for you. So if you haven't done that yet, that's what you got to do right now. And you can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Why? Because Jesus is the one who died for you. Salvation is not, therefore, a reward for the good things that any of us have done. So look, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, you're not saved. But you can be saved right now. And someone can help you do that. So in the chat right now, just say it. Just say, I want to be saved. Just type it in. I want to be saved. Just type in the chat. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Type in the chat. I want to be baptized. Someone will connect with you right now. There's nothing more important in your life than, than taking care of that.
Because your eternity is not secure yet. You're not destined for heaven yet until you put your faith in Jesus. So do it right now, and we will help you with it. We'll help, we'll follow up with all the steps on that. So you're saved by whether or not you put your faith in Jesus. So, so does that mean then, okay, because this is an issue that they struggled with in the New Testament, and Jesus makes really clear, um, and the rest of the Bible talks about this, can I just then just be selfish with everything I have? If I'm already saved by putting my faith in Jesus, then does it really even matter if I ever give, if I ever tithe, if I ever serve, if I ever do anything, if I just keep sin or whatever? I mean, does it even matter if I don't even follow God at all since I'm saved if I put my faith in Jesus? Two things. Number one, if, that's, if that was really your attitude, like if you were like, I don't really care about serving God, I would go, man, are you, have you really put your faith in Jesus, right? So we would have to have a discussion about that. But in another sense, it matters what you do with your resources, but it doesn't save you. Meaning, no, you don't have to give or serve to be saved. You're not saved, like the scripture says, based on what you do. You're saved whether or not you put your faith in Jesus. However, there are extreme consequences dramatic consequences for wasting your life, for not using your resources for God's glory, for being selfish with all your stuff and not using your blessings, you know, for God's purposes. Enormous consequences. So, I'm going to put that principle up again. You're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus, but you will still be entrusted in eternity based on your trustworthiness in this life. So yes, it matters what you do with your resources because God's going to entrust you in eternity based on how well you manage what he's given you in this life. So this is all over the scripture and I'm kind of pausing a little bit right now just to sit with this principle. And, and one of the reasons I'm doing it uh, not, is to make it clear as we get into Genesis chapter 41 as this is kind of the principle that happens in Joseph's life but also because it's a personal thing for me. Like, I feel security in my salvation. But the thing I struggle with, or the thing that haunts me, is the question, but am I being trustworthy with what God has given me? You know, like, am I, am I really using my abilities or, or my resources or my finances the way God wants me to? Am I, am I giving the way he wants me to? Am I serving the way he wants me to? And it's an important question. And so the scripture deals with this all over the place. I mean, there's so many scriptures that talk about this. Let me just put two up. Let me just, let me just read two scriptures to you. And as I'm reading them, just like feel, these, feel this reality. And, and, and see for yourself what the Bible says. The first one, Jesus is talking. Talking to his disciples. And look what he says in the book of Luke. He goes, if you're faithful, and he, first he explains the principle of just being trustworthy. If you're faithful, you know, with little things, you'll be faithful with big things. Okay, Here's, that's the principle. And if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Point is, this short life is what he's talking about with the little things. Your finances right now and your stuff right now, that's the little things. The big things are coming and that's heaven. That's the forever responsibilities. So then he goes, so if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, okay, the, the money you have, the, the, you know, the stuff you have, the things that have been given to you, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? 
And the answer is nobody will, okay? <laughs> What's the principle here? The principle is you will be entrusted in eternity based on the trustworthiness that you demonstrate in this life with your stuff. Let me read to you another text. But first, let me just say this. Like, this, dumb, this, this is like, whoa, a tough, a tough principle for people. I had a woman one time say to me, man, like, that causes me anxiety because I do serve, but I feel like I'm going to go to heaven and some people are going to be, you know, way up here and have more rewards. I'm being out here. I'm just going to do the same thing I did in this life, which is compare myself to other people and envy other people. No, you won't struggle with those sins. Your joy will be full, okay? Don't worry about that. That still does not eliminate the reality that God is going to entrust you and reward you in eternity based on how trustworthy you are with what he has given you in this life. It's all over the scripture. Look at this text, okay? This, this is from the Apostle Paul later. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged, all of us. Not for, by the way, if you put your faith in Jesus, you're not going to be judged to be saved. That's already done. You're, you're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus. What's your judgment? Your judgment is your trustworthiness. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So you will be judged, not based on your salvation, that's by putting your faith in Christ, but this can be judged whether or not you were trustworthy with your resources. So you can see why this is such an incredible principle. Again, it's all over the Bible. So again, let's put the principle up one more time. You're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus, but you will still be entrusted in eternity based on your trustworthiness in this life. So what's the conclusion? The conclusion is this. So be trustworthy with what God has entrusted you with. Man, if I could tell anything to a Christian, okay? To the world, what I would tell them is, God loves you, Jesus died for you, put your faith in Jesus. But to a Christian, if I could tell them anything, it's this. Be trustworthy with what God has entrusted you with. So, Genesis 41, that's where we are. And you know the story, and if you haven't, you know, you need to catch up and watch some of the other sermons to see where we are. Joseph has just had all kinds of bad things happen to him. But now he's going to be blessed, and we're going to see him get blessed. Joseph, the story of Joseph, the, the historical events of Joseph's life uh, happened about the 1800s B.C., so 3,800 years ago, 19th century B.C., and the events of Genesis 40 and 41 actually affect the Egyptian empire, making it an even bigger world power where it's at its height of its power in the 15th and 16th century BC. So these are real historical events that happen here. And we get a glimpse into, into some, some, some amazing stuff here in human history. And the story of Joseph is a part of that. So I'm um, not going to go back and review Joseph's story, but where he is right now is he's in a prison. And the scripture calls that prison the pit. Literally calls it the pit. So this is not a nice place. It's the pit. They put political prisoners here um, and other types of prisoners. And there's two other guys in the prison with him. One is this baker who's the personal baker to the pharaoh of Egypt. And the second guy who's with him is a cupbearer. Cupbearer would be the guy who gave the wine, the cup, to the pharaoh. Now, that, that, those sound like menial positions, but they're not. They're really big-time positions because both of these people would have protected the pharaoh's life. They would have tasted the food, tasted the wine, make sure he wouldn't get poisoned. And then the cupbearer in particular would serve as a personal advisor to 
the pharaoh of this, the Egyptian empire. So it's a big deal. So these guys are people in high positions. Here's what happens. And you, you found out about this last week. Um, these guys have dreams. They find out Joseph can interpret dreams. They take their dreams to Joseph. Joseph then tells them what's going to happen. And he tells the cupbearer, you're going to be restored to your original place. And then look what Joseph says to the cupbearer. He says, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well. Mention me to Pharaoh so I can get out of this place. He's like, remember me, remember me. Okay, so he says, because look, I've been kidnapped from my homeland. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm here in prison. I didn't deserve any of this. Like, help me out. When you're blessed, remember me. Remember what I'm doing for you, okay? So <clears throat> this is a key part of the story. Sure enough, what happens is, the things that Joseph said would happen come true. The cupbearer is restored to his former position. Joseph interprets the dream, says it would happen, because God told him it would happen, and he gets restored. But then the cupbearer doesn't mention Joseph to Pharaoh. Look what it says. It says he restored Pharaoh, he restores the cupbearer, but he forgot, the cupbearer did, he forgot about Joseph never giving him another thought. This is a key part of the story, just to recognize for you and I, because we don't want to be that guy, right, where we forget that what we have isn't just because, well, we deserve it or we earned it. Of course, working hard, you know, makes a difference, right? But who gave you the skills and abilities that you have? God did. Who created you with the body and the mind that you have. God did. Who, who, I mean, we can go on and on and on. We don't want to be the people who forget where our blessings come from. And the cupbearer did. He forgot that Joseph blessed him. He forgot that God blessed him by giving Joseph that dream. He forgot. So here's what happens. Two, and it says full years later. Meaning Joseph is still in, this guy forgets, Joseph is in prison for two full years. 365 plus 365, I don't even know what that is, 730, am I right? Something like that, days. That's a long time, okay? He's still in prison. Man, because this guy forgot. And Pharaoh then has a dream, okay? It says, Pharaoh dreams. And he dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile, the river. Now, listen, I don't, I don't know if you've heard this story before, um, but usually when you hear this story, it's sort of like, almost like a kid's story. It's not a kid's story. It's a historical event, and it's actually kind of horrific, okay? Um, let me explain. Pharaoh has a dream. He's standing on the bank of the Nile in his dream, and in his dream he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river, and they begin grazing in the marsh. So these seven fat cows are grazing in the marsh. And then, here's what happens next. He sees seven more cows, and look what it says. Come up behind them. They're like sneaking, okay? Think of the movie Jaws, right? These cows, instead of a shark, it's cows. Just get that music in your head, you know. Dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, right? They're sneaking up behind the big cows. They're sneaking up behind them from the Nile. And these cows were scrawny. And what did they do? Dun, 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 dun. They ate the seven healthy fat cows. 
And listen, when, when you hear this story originally, it's like, oh, it's like a little kid's dream. It's not. This is gory. Seven skinny cows eating seven fat. I mean, they're tearing them apart. It's actually, when you really visually think of it, this isn't a dream. This is a nightmare, okay? Which is why Pharaoh woke up. In fact, I tried to um, find a painting of the dream, like a realistic painting of the dream. And there's nothing out there. Like, look what I found. This is the best I could do. Here's Pharaoh, and he wakes up, because, oh my gosh, I had a crazy dream. And then you can see these skinny cows. They're biting on the other cows. But that's to make it, like, rated G for kids so they could look at the... It's not rated G. I had to type in crazy ugly cow to find something. Look at this guy right here, okay? That's the best I could do. Seven of these guys sneak up on these seven fat cows and they tear them to pieces. I mean, this is like horror movie type gore kind of stuff, all right? And Pharaoh wakes up. Of course he does. It's a nightmare. Seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. He wakes up. He has another dream. And in this dream, seven skinny stalks of grain eat seven fat stalks of grain. So it's the exact same dream, but two different things. One, one, in one dream, it's, it's cows eating cows, and the other one, it's grain eating grain. Grain eating grain isn't as horrific, right, as these cows eating cows. And of course, Pharaoh wakes up, and he's disturbed, okay? Put crazy cow back up there for a second. Okay, Pharaoh is disturbed. You would be disturbed too if seven of these guys ate seven cows. Okay, so he's disturbed. And he tells everybody about this dream. He's like, I can't believe it. I had this dream and it happened twice. These seven cows and these seven grains and what does it mean and blah, 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 blah. And no one can tell him what it means. And that's what the text says. None of his advisors could tell him what the dream meant. And then the cupbearer realizes, oh my goodness, I forgot all about Joseph. Oh my goodness, I forgot all about Joseph. So the, the cupbearer spoke up. He said, I've been reminded today of my failure. And he explains that this guy who's in the pit, the prison, can interpret dreams. And, and, and he said, man, I had a dream. And this guy interpreted it. And it came to pass. And Pharaoh's like, I need this guy. Go get him. And so uh, Joseph is summoned out of, out of this prison, cleaned up, and he's brought before Pharaoh, which is the, the ruler of the Egyptian empire. And Pharaoh tells him the dream. He's like, let me tell you what happened. Uh, yeah, I hear you're a dude who can, you know, interpret dreams. He tells him the whole dream. And Joseph says this. He says, no, um, I can't do it, all right? Only God can interpret your dream. So then, after Pharaoh explains the dream, Joseph them then explains exactly what's going to happen. He says, God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. And he says, as for having two similar dreams, what it means is, this is decreed, this is going to happen. So then he explains what's going to happen. He says, he says look, Egypt's going to have like this amazing seven-year season, you know, with produce, gonna, the grain's going to fall, you're going to have all kinds of crops, the cows are all going to get fat, you're going to have food everywhere, but then you're going to have seven years of devastation. See how the, the seven skinny cows eat up the fat cows? 
Meaning, when the, when the seven years of devastation comes, there's going to be no plenty left. It's going to, it's all of the stuff that, all the good stuff that came out in the seven good years, it's going to be wiped out. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to die. Economy is going to crash. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be terrible. You had two dreams because God is saying, this is decreed, this is going to happen. So then Pharaoh says, wow, what should we do? I mean, he's convicted. He's like, this, this has got to be true. And, and he says to Joseph, what should we do? What should we do? And Joseph gives him then a detailed plan. He goes, he goes and you can read it for yourself in Genesis 41. He goes, you need to pick a person to be a point person organizationally over the storehouses of Egypt. And as in this next seven years, you need to build extra storehouses, you need to store up a certain percentage of the grain, he gives them all the math, and if you save up this much, at this period rate, you'll have this much of grain. And then when the, when the rains stop and when the famine comes, you'll have food in the storehouses. And what will happen is the people will run out of food, then they're going to come to you, and you're going to be able to give them food. We'll sell it to them. Which, by the way, helped make the Egyptian uh, empire even stronger because it put more money into their, into their empire because they were able to sell the food to people and to the, the adjacent countries. And so Joseph gives them this super detailed plan. And then, and then Pharaoh goes to his advisor and, they, and they're like, what do you guys think? What should we do? How do we do this? And the advisor like, man, I mean, this is the guy. He should be in charge. And so Pharaoh comes back to Joseph after they take a little counsel and he says this. He says, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent and wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. So, wow, what a change of circumstances. I mean, think about this. Like up to this point, everybody in this series, we've been talking about the suffering that Joseph has gone through and how he didn't let his circumstances determine whether or not he believed God was with him. He knew God was with him, you know, even when things weren't going well. And he didn't believe the lie that you and I often believe that when things are going bad, that just must mean God isn't with me. Well, that's not true. He never believed that. But now the tables are turned and he's blessed. He's blessed. And Joseph remembers God when he's suffering. But here's the key principle here in this story. Joseph remembered God in his times of suffering. We know that. But Joseph also remembered God during his times of blessing. Man, that's important. Man, that's important. Not just to, rem not just to turn to God when you're struggling, which we all need to do. Not, just to, not to just push away the lies that God doesn't love you when you're struggling. He does. Your, your circumstances don't determine whether or not God loves you. But also to remember God when you're blessed. And there's a really key reason why we have to remember God when we're blessed. And the reason is because we're going to be accountable for our blessings. So, Joseph, so this isn't a story just about Joseph interpreting a dream. Fundamentally, this is a story about somebody being trustworthy with what they were entrusted with. Joseph was blessed financially. At this point, he's blessed with, with you know, power over you know, uh, the Egyptian empire. So he's blessed with authority. He's blessed with resources. He's blessed with stuff. And he is trustworthy with it. He uses it for the glory of God. So right away, the text says then, Joseph left 
Pharaoh's presence, he, he inspected the land of Egypt. He went to work right away. And then everything unfolded just the way the text, or just the way God said it would unfold, just the way Joseph interpreted the dream that he received from God. As predicted, seven years, the land produced bumper crops. During those years, Joseph gathered all the crops grown in Egypt, stored them in the grain from the surrounding fields. Um, he piled up huge amounts of grain like sand of the seashore. Finally, he stopped keeping records. He stored up so much stuff that they finally stopped keeping records. And then, look what happens next. After those seven years, the famine hits, but they're ready. They're ready. And instead of everybody dying, people are saved. So just as Joseph had predicted, the famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. So with severe famine everywhere, Joseph then opened up the storehouses. The people run out of food, but Joseph, you know, opens up the storehouses and they sell food back to the people. And people from around, all around Egypt, other countries come to buy grain from Joseph as well. So in other words, it also made the Egyptian empire powerful because all these other countries had to come and buy food from Egypt. So the result then of Joseph being trustworthy was that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives were saved because Joseph was trustworthy with what he was entrusted with. So later, if you re revisit Genesis 41, go through this whole thing, because I mean, I'm telling you, there's, I think, 57 verses in Genesis 41. I only read you a couple. Go back through it and see how much Joseph is in tune with who is blessing him and what his reason for being blessed is. In other words, he knows why he's blessed. He knows he's blessed so that he can be a blessing. Let me point out just two things Joseph does when he's blessed. And you see this throughout. Number one, he gives credit for his personal abilities and gifts and blessings. He gives God the credit for what he's been giving, for his stuff, his financial resources, his authority, his stuff, his body, his mind. Joseph gives God's credit. It's everywhere in the text. Like, let me even point out something interesting. He even names his two kids after God to honor God. And I'll just put this up fast. The first kid, he has two sons born to him during the famine. And the first son, his name is Manasseh. And, he, and Manasseh means God made me forget all his troubles. And he has another son. And he names his other son Ephraim. Ephraim means, literally means, God has made me fruitful. I mean, it's just throughout the story. Joseph, Joseph gives God credit for his blessings, which is what is, that's who deserves the credit for our financial resources, for our, you know, stuff, the things that we have, literally the things that we have for our mind, our body, our abilities. God deserves the credit. And he gave it to you for a reason, to bless other people. You are blessed so you can be a blessing. And that's what Joseph knows. He used his blessings for what God intended a person's blessings to be used for, to bless others. Why are you given anything? Why are you blessed to bless others? Why are you given financial resources? Why are you given stuff? You're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to bless others. That's God's purpose. 
for giving you stuff in this short, short, short life. So here's what I want to do. I want to just give you two pieces of advice. Give everybody two pieces of advice of all the things we could say. In order to, to kind of move forward in being trustworthy with what we've been entrusted with. So here's my first piece of advice. Number one, start by being trustworthy with the basics. Start by being trustworthy with the basics. So, you know, the basics, there's so many things, but just to put a couple out there, give 10% of your finances and your time, that's called a tithe. Scripture, tithe literally means 10%. That's a principle that predates even the Old Testament writings all throughout the New Testament. And then say 100% of your words with kindness. The reason I put that out there is because, man, we're in a time where people are just saying mean stuff. So here's my three starting points. Give 10% of your, your, your finances, give 10% of your time, give 100% of your words. But there's lots of basics. There's lots of steps you can take. I mean, just repentance is a, is a basic of being trustworthy. Repenting of using your body in a way that wasn't intended. Repenting of using your mind in a way that wasn't intended. Repenting of using your words in a way that wasn't intended. Start with the basics. <clears throat> Number two, another piece of advice. And, and this one, this is like a week-long thing, okay? Please consider, just, just take this prayer with you. This is, this, it, you don't, this is the only thing you need to write down, this entire message. Write on a piece of paper and remember this prayer. Say this prayer and sit with it for a week, meaning say it every day. And here's the prayer. Father, show me how to be more trustworthy with what you have entrusted we man, we, entrusted to me. In other words, ask God to speak to you, and he will. Give him a week to do it. Right now, wherever you are, say that prayer. Like it, wherever you're watching from. Where, even if you're in a coffee shop, if you're kind of embarrassed to say it out loud, whisper it. But say this prayer right now where you are. Just say it to God. Father, show me how to be more trustworthy with what you have entrusted to me. And to condense it down, just say, Father, show me. Father, show me. And on the chat right now, type that in. If, that's, if you're convicted about that, just type it. Father, show me. And God will speak to you. And, and give that prayer, that Father, show me. Show me how to be trustworthy. Show me steps you want to give it a week. Sit with that prayer for a week. <clears throat> and why? Why do we want to all go deeper into being more trustworthy with what God has given to us? Well, number one, because it's the godly thing to do, right? I mean, I mean, that's how you follow Jesus. But that's not the only reason. Number two is because when we're trustworthy with what we've been entrusted with, things happen. Like Joseph literally saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives because he was trustworthy, because he didn't do the, you know, the Razak thing and use 4.5 billion on his own purposes. Instead, he was trustworthy with what he was given. And it's the same with you and I. When we're trustworthy with our resources, God blesses it. And he'll use your life to change other people's lives. He will. He will. It's a fact. It'll happen. God will use you for his glory if you're trustworthy with your stuff. And number three, why do we need to be trustworthy with what God has given to us? Because of this. Because you're saved forever when you put your faith in Jesus. But 
you will still be entrusted in eternity based on your trustworthiness in this short, short, short life. This short, short, short life happens and then forever happens. We're here for a short time. We got a short time to be trustworthy with what God has given to us. Now listen, we're here for you right now. Like we got counselors in the chat room. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, just say it in the chat. Say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. If you want prayer, we're there to pray with you. Just say, I need prayer for anything, for stuff in your own life or other people. Just type it in the chat. We have counselors that will connect with you right away in, in the chat room. We've got people at all of our campuses who, who can baptize you if you need to be baptized. They'll wear a mask and we'll baptize you. If you've got any unfinished business with God, we're there for you. We'll, we'll walk you through it. You don't have to be afraid. Just, just kind of reach out in that chat and we'll help you out. Listen, guys, let me, let me close this and pray for us. Father, we give you thanks for, for, for being with us. And we know that's not... We know things aren't going to always be seasons of blessing. There'll be times of struggle, times of hurt, and, and, and we're just feeling it right now. And there's also the reality, though, that you've entrusted us with things, with stuff, with, our, with ourselves, with resources, with so much. And we're aware that life is short. God, we want to go farther into being faithful. So all, all of us out there, Lord, who are trying to take steps, Communicate to us as we pray to you this week. Show us how to be more trustworthy. Speak to us, Lord. Show us. In the name of Jesus, amen.